it is our privilege and our honor and our practice every Sunday to open the Bible and allow it to speak to our hearts. And so that's what we're going to do today. So if you have a Bible, please would you turn to Luke chapter 10, starting from verse 25 to 37 is what we're going to read. And then I'm going to pray and allow God to speak to our hearts. This is what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, who is him, Jesus. So a lawyer is testing Jesus, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And so the lawyer answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, You've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. So, He said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? So Jesus, as uh, he often does, whenever he's asked a question, he often goes on to share a story, a parable. And this is what many people know as the parable of the Good Samaritan. But it's perhaps the most brilliant parable of Jesus explaining this question, who is my neighbor? Look at verse 30, next one. Uh, Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three, meaning, was it the priest, the Levite, or the Samaritan? Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. So who is the neighbor? The neighbor is not the wounded man who was beaten and left half dead, the neighbor is uh, is the one that showed mercy. He said, the one who showed him mercy. That's the neighbor. Who is who is the neighbor? The one who showed him mercy. Who 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 is our neighbor? Who is our neighbor? Our neighbor is not the one we're supposed to show mercy to. The neighbor is the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, You Go and do likewise. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity to share your truth today. Father, I pray that today we will see Jesus. And Father, as we see Jesus, we thank you that our lives will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength. And also... You will love your neighbor as you love yourself, yourself. If you haven't noticed this by now, the person 
in your world that you love the most is yourself. Everybody. It is the human condition. That is how we are wired. We love ourselves more than anything or anybody. We we love ourselves. The human human condition or the human being is is wired to love ourselves. And so when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, you are embraced with the greatest commandment. And um, and we're told it, the greatest commandment or Christianity, if you like, can be summarized in this one in this one paragraph: love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength, and love your neighbor, your neighbor, as you love yourself. So the lawyer goes, "Okay, who's my neighbor?" Jesus didn't say, "You know that you know the guy who lives next door, uh, you know the person that that." That you work with, that's your neighbor. You know, the guys that you kind of socialize with, that's your neighbor. You know, your friends and family members, they're your neighbor. Jesus said, good question. Now that you've asked me who's my neighbor, let me tell you who, who your neighbor is. And Jesus goes on to share the story of what we know as the parable of the Good Samaritan. And Jesus says, here's the story. And he asks the question back and says, okay. Now you tell me, who was the neighbor to the man that was half dead? A man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Robbers came, bandits came, beat him up, stole from him, left him half dead. A Levite came, couldn't help him, passed on the other side of the road, it says. A priest came, didn't want to do anything with him, passed by on the other side of the road. A Samaritan came, came to him, got off his animal, poured in oil, wine, bandaged his wounds, put him on the animal, took him to an inn, paid for his medical expenses for the day, paid for his medical expenses on the next day. And he said, I'm going to be back and whatever costs he incurs until he gets better, that's on me too. And Jesus says, you tell me, who's the neighbor? And the lawyer says, well, the guy who showed mercy is the neighbor. Jesus says, yes. You got it right. Now you go and do likewise. Go and love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might and strength. And love your neighbor. Who's the neighbor? Love the person that showed mercy as yourself. Who is this person that showed his mercy? Who is my neighbor? Who is this neighbor I am supposed to love as myself? In a way, Jesus was expanding who Jesus was to people. Have you noticed that you don't need to be a Christian to be nice? You don't need to be a Christian to be kind. You don't need to be a Christian to be generous. You don't need to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus Christ to have any of what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, generosity, perseverance, long-suffering, Surely you've met people in your world who don't have a faith or maybe they do have a faith and they're not followers of Jesus Christ and they are kind and patient and joyful and long-suffering. So what is it that makes a Christian different from being nice? Sometimes, if we're really honest with ourselves, some of the nicest people we know are not Christians. Why? Because niceness, politeness, kindness, joy... Caring, sharing is not necessarily a Christian trait. It's a kindness trait. You don't necessarily need to have a faith to be kind. So what makes us different 
to the rest of them. What makes a Christian different? The only thing that makes a Christian different is that you and I have the privilege to know the God of the universe. You and I have a revelation of who Jesus is, and it's not necessarily uh, proven by how nice we are, because some of us have had the most extraordinary upbringings with brokenness and, and damage and wounds that we can't sometimes explain ourselves. And if we're really honest with ourselves, when we follow Jesus, sometimes we're not nice people to be around ourselves. And so it's important that we do not define our niceness as the hallmark of Christianity. The hallmark that you know Jesus is that you're constantly living in a revelation of knowing God and knowing Him and knowing the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad that I'm not defined by my behavior. I'm not defined by my niceness. Of course I want to be nice and polite and kind. But sometimes I am not in my best behavior. Aren't you glad that you're not defined by your performance or your behavior? You're defined by the person that you know know the person of Jesus Christ. Every person that's grateful that you know Jesus and that's what defines you. Let's give him a round of applause right now to say, Jesus, we're so grateful that we know you and that's what defines us. You are defined by who you know, not by how you behave. You are defined. Your identity is defined by who you know and not necessarily how you behave. And that's why sometimes when we come to church or we invite people to church, we've heard stories where you say, man, I came to church and I'll never go back to church again. Why? Because I met somebody at church and they hurt me. We did not invite you here to meet hurt people. We invited you here to meet Jesus. What defines you is your relationship with God, the revelation of who Jesus is and not the revelation of who we are. All of us are works in progress and we're all flawed in some way we're all broken in some way we're all insecure in some way but thank God for Jesus Christ that is who defines us our relationship with God is what defines us so who is my neighbor who is this person Jesus says these words he says imagine there was a man who was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and the robbers came and And they they stole from him and they beat him and they left him half dead. Three separate uh, descriptions of what happened to him, which is very interesting because those descriptions mirror what Jesus says is the plan of Satan, the devil, our enemy. He says the enemy comes to steal to kill and to destroy. And so you see this man going from Jerusalem to Jericho and bandits came on him and they stole from him. They destroyed him. They wanted to kill him. And the Bible says he was half dead. You see, when you are half dead, you can't cry for help. When you are half dead, you can't fix your own wounds. When you are half dead, you can't drive yourself to the hospital. When you are half dead, you can't really fix yourself. And Jesus is making the point that when mercy comes, it was not because mercy came along and approached you and and, and saw you and you did your part and you helped yourself and Jesus said, there, there, well done for helping yourself. I'll just add my little grace to all of the effort that you've done yourself so you can get better. Friends, because of Jesus, we have to be aware that it was not my work, it was not my hard work, it was not my prayer life, it was not my striving, it was not my obedience. I didn't have any of that to help myself in the first place. Ephesians chapter 2 says, we 
were dead in our trespasses. The beauty of mercy is that mercy found me when I couldn't find mercy. Mercy approached me when I couldn't approach mercy. Mercy helped me when I couldn't help myself. And Jesus says, look at the person that has mercy on you. That is who your neighbor is. This man was half dead. Half dead. Half dead. So who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is the individual that came to find you when you couldn't find him. There's only one person in the whole universe that has done that. And there's only one person in the whole universe that will ever do that. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the one that found us when we couldn't find him. He's the one that approached us when we couldn't approach him. He's the one that helped us when we couldn't help ourselves. He's the one that raised us when we couldn't raise ourselves. I am so grateful that mercy found me. Anybody else glad that mercy found you? Oh, on our best day, we can say that we're glad. I had a good week because I prayed this week. I had a good week because I fasted this week. I had a good week because I came to church this week. I had a good week because I attended my prayer meetings this week. But we've had some bad weeks too. And if you will define your Christianity on the basis of your performance and how strong you've been and how clean you've been and how quick you've been to follow Jesus, you will soon find yourself disappointing yourself and you will find yourself loathing yourself because you're happy on a good week and sad on a bad week. We come to Jesus not by our works, our merits, our qualifications our degree, our hard work, our squeaky cleanliness, our holiness, our righteousness. No, we come empty-handed as dead people say, make me alive in Jesus Christ. Christianity is not God changing bad people into good people. Christianity is God quickening dead people into life. We were dead and Jesus came and gave us life and we're so grateful for it. Now Jesus says, now that's your neighbor. Go and love that person. Like you love yourself. Who is my neighbor? Number one, the neighbor is the person that approached me when I couldn't approach him. Number two, my neighbor is the person that healed my wounds when I couldn't heal myself. A neighbor is the person that elevated me from the roadside and elevated me. The Bible says he put, the Samaritan put the man, came down from his donkey, and came down from his animal and took the half dead man and placed him on the animal. The Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 2 that he who was equal with God did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or exploited, but he humbled himself and became a slave, became a servant, and he became obedient to the cross because of that the Bible says every knee will bow and every tongue will confess the reason Christianity and the reason our faith is so different is because every other religion stands afar and says this is the law this is the standard you must achieve come here, come up here come and achieve this, come and live like this, come and see if you can see, if you can set yourself the standard, in fact in the same story Jesus says the same thing The Levite came that way and said, no, I'm not having anything to do with this. The priest came and said, no, I can't help you. Crossed over to the other side. The law, that's what the law demands. When the law comes to you and sees your brokenness, sees your sin, sees that the devil has wrecked havoc, sees that you are half dead, the law will say, well, here's the demand. If you can meet this demand, you can come to me. But how many of us know that if we're really honest with ourselves, we're not as strong as 
as we think. We're not as clever as we think. We're not as spiritual as we think. We all need a savior. We all need help. We all need somebody who will show us mercy. We all need somebody to say, hey, I know you can't reach these standards, so I will come to you. And I will lower myself from my animal to where you are. And I will elevate you from where you are to where you need to be. So you can be transported into your healing and your wholeness and deliverance. If you've walked in here this morning and you're struggling with guilt and shame and confusion because of your wounds, your scars, your pain, what has been wrecking havoc in your life, and you think you're not good enough, strong enough, able enough, qualified enough, I have good news for you. Jesus, the one who shows mercy, your neighbor is coming and help is on the way. Mercy is about to find you. You will be helped. He is not a God who stands afar. He is a God who draws close and lifts you up so that you can go where you need to go. And many people who are followers of Jesus Christ, you find yourself in a half-dead situation today. Is a man, I don't feel like praying lately. I don't feel like I can walk with God lately. I don't feel like I'm good enough lately. Lately, I've found myself going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Jerusalem is a blessed city according to the Bible. Jericho is a cursed city according to the Bible. Perhaps you've made the decision to go by your own choice to go from a place of blessing to a place of curse and you have found yourself attacked by bandits you can look at your life and say the devil has stolen from me the devil has destroyed me the devil has tried to kill me the good news is that the story says that the the man that the bandits attacked was half dead you see there are times you can look back and say man I am so grieving I'm grieving that I've lost this because the enemy stole I'm grieving that I've got so many scars because the enemy tried to kill me. I'm grieving because the enemy tried to destroy me. Look at the things I've lost. Look at the pain in my life. Look at my insecurity. Look at how complex my trauma is. Look at how my situation is, my marriage is. Look at how my kids are. If only I didn't take that road from Jerusalem to Jericho. Why did the bandits attack me? Why did this happen to me? Why is it that so many people are whole and they're fine? But look at me. Look at where I am right now. I can't I can't believe I went through this. My friends, let me give you another perspective the bible says this man was attacked by bandits and he was stolen from they robbed from him they attacked him they tried to kill him and they left him half dead the good news about somebody that's half dead is that they're also half alive the devil should have killed you when you had the chance you went through some stuff but you're still alive you're still here you may have gone through some pains and some scars but you're not dead yet as long as there is breath in your nostrils there is hope for you my friend because help is on the way and mercy is about to find you come to you, elevate you and take you to where you can't take yourself the good news about the gospel is that it's it's God's responsibility to carry you where you can't carry yourself the good news about the gospel is that it reaches you when it can't reach you see when you're half dead you can't even see it you can't even hear help you can't even do anything you can't do it, you're half dead you are half dead if you think about it, think about your friends, some of the mistakes that uh, 
you've made, they've made too, and they're not here. They're either six feet under or in prison or in a mental hospital somewhere. Look at some of the people that went through the accidents you've been through. Look at some of the people that went through the trials you've been through, and they're not here. You may look at yourself and say, look at these wounds. I feel like I'm half dead. I want to encourage you. The devil may be wreck havoc in your life, but you still have breath in your nostrils. That's a sign that the hand of God is on you. Sometimes you may have had seasons. You look back and say, the devil has touched my life. He's come to steal. He's come to kill. He's come to destroy. But I want to pronounce hope today. The story is not over. You did not die. For every person that is grateful that you are not in a grave or a prison or a mental institution somewhere and you are here praising God today, why don't you take a moment to show your appreciation to Jesus who made sure that you are here alive today, praising God today, full of hope today. The story is not over. Hope is on the way. Mercy is on the way. And that is, Jesus says, that's, that's your neighbor. That's your neighbor. So he picks him up, pours in the oil and the wine, the Bible says. Interestingly, back in the day, the usual wine that was used was, was grape, grape wine. And in the context of Jesus' story, the oil that would have been used would have been olive oil. Interestingly, to get both products, to get olive oil, you have to crush the olive. And to get wine, you have to crush the grape. So it's one thing that's been crushed, trying to help something else that's been crushed. And some of us just know what it means to go through something and have God comfort us. Paul writes to a church in a city called Corinth. And he says, I want to praise the God of all comfort, who comforts me in my afflictions, so that through the comfort I have received, I will be able to also comfort other people. Some of us have oil and wine with us, the anointing, the grace, the comfort of God, not because we went on an extended fast, but we went through some things in life and God was our comfort. God was our hope. God was the one that held our hands. And now people come to us and we're able to offer them comfort. I want to encourage you, even though you've gone through pain in your life, God will make sure that it pays forward, that you will receive a grace and a glory and a comfort and anointing through it that when mercy comes you will receive a wine and an oil the glory of God the grace of God the gift of God the presence of God the anointing of God the good news of God there will be things deposited in your life because of your pain and if it wasn't there you would not have received it it's not that God needs it to give it to you but in case you have gone through it God will make sure that it's not a waste every person that has gone through something in your life a debt season a divorce season a season of mental health challenges and you know God has come through your way perhaps for a moment rather than crying and grieving over what you lost why don't we praise God over what we gained blessed be the God of all comfort who has comforted us in all of our afflictions so that everything that we went through is going to be used by God to bless somebody else my wounds and my scars are my greatest weapons. I said, my wounds and my scars are my greatest weapons. God will make sure the things I went through become equipping tools in my arsenal to help others. So if you're here today and you say, man, I think I'm going to rule myself out. God can use perfect people. God can use alive people. God can use people who don't have wounds and scars. I have too many wounds and too many scars. I want to encourage you. You are the very candidate God wants to use. If you are weak, the Bible says God's 
strength is made perfect in your weakness. Weakness does not rule you out. A divorce does not rule you out. Debt does not rule you out. Demonic attacks don't rule you out. Bad mental health does not rule you out. Your sin does not rule you out. Your addiction does not rule you out. Your shame does not rule you out. Your brokenness does not rule you out. You have been counted in and oil and wine is your portion and you will use it to be a blessing to every person that feels disqualified. I wonder whether you can praise God in the light of the demonic and say, look at me now. Mercy is on the way. I am qualified. I am not rejected. I am not ostracized. Mercy found me when I couldn't find mercy. Oil and wine came to my rescue when I couldn't find oil and wine. The Bible says he bandaged these wounds, put him on his donkey and took him to the innkeeper. And he says to the innkeeper, here is money for the bills. And he stayed with him another day, stayed with him overnight. And on the second day, he took out his purse and he said, here's money for yesterday. And he said, here's money to cover his bills for today. He says, I'm coming back. And when I come back, whatever the cost is of yesterday's treatment, today's treatment, Luke chapter 10 says, whatever treatment fees are for the future, I got that too. There is only one person in all of the universe who says, I'll be with you yesterday, today, and forever. Only one. Only one, not your pastor, not your leader, not your husband, not your wife. Who is my neighbor? The neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Who is this person I am supposed to love like myself? Jesus says, the one that promised to be with you yesterday, today, and forever. If you've got bills from yesterday, Jesus says, I got it. If you've got bills from today, Jesus says, I got it. If there's things to come that you don't even know about, Jesus says, I got it. As we're going through a winter with a fuel crisis and we don't know what's going to happen. And perhaps you are here and you are having such a hard time thinking about your future, wondering where everything is, whether everything is going to be okay. I want to introduce you to your neighbor. Who is he? The one that promises to be with you yesterday, today, and forever. Everything in your life is going to be okay. Jesus promises this by his own word and he says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you through the night, through the darkest night. He stayed there. Isn't it amazing that the Samaritan was just on his journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, sees this man, changes his plan to go to Jericho and spends the night in the inn, changes his plans and spends that night, that first night in the inn. Some of you are so bound by grief and guilt and shame because you are wondering whether you've been a disturbance to Jesus himself. You've been a disturbance to the plans of God himself. Can I encourage you? Your father loves you so much that there is no such thing as a disturbance to God. If it matters to you, it matters to God. If it hurts you, it matters to God. If you're struggling, it matters to God. Isn't it amazing that of all the things that the Samaritan man did, he deviated from his plan and spent the night in the inn. The night perhaps where he was wounded most. A night perhaps when he was broken most. night perhaps where he 
probably didn't have vision because the Bible says he was half dead. A night where he probably couldn't hear because the Bible says he was half dead. The night where he probably couldn't move because the Bible says he was half dead. That night, God, the good Samaritan, the neighbor stayed with him the night. I want to encourage you, my friends, just because you don't feel him doesn't mean he's not there. Just because you haven't heard him doesn't mean he's not there. Perhaps you are sitting here today and you're wondering, well, if he is so good, where was he in my darkest night? If he was so good, where was he in my lowest lows? If he was so good, where was he when I needed him the most? I didn't hear him. I didn't see him. I didn't feel him. I couldn't understand him. I didn't even know where he was. My friends, you're alive today because he was there. You're alive today because he was close. If it wasn't for the grace of God, you wouldn't be here today. If it wasn't for the mercy of God that found you, you wouldn't be here today. The very fact that you have breath in your nostrils today and you got out of bed is proof that in your lowest low, he was there. Yes, you couldn't have heard him. You wouldn't have seen him because you were half dead. But in a moment, you have to realize, Lord, even when I didn't see you, you were there. Even when I could and hear you, you were there. Even at my lowest low, you were there. I want to encourage every person that's here and you are doubting whether God is with you. You have to know this. He promises by his word that he is there. And when you can't see him and when you can't hear him, and when you can't touch him, when you can't feel him, when you can't understand him, he promises, I will never leave you or nor forsake you. In your lowest low, he was always there. He was always there. Jesus says, love that man. Love that. That's your neighbor. Love that person as you love yourself. He stands up and goes and says, I'll return. And when I return, whatever you owe, I'll pay you too. God's mercy came. Stayed with him. Took care of him. And then promises that everything that's in the future will also be taken care of. One of the things I love about the story is that it doesn't say a robber came along the way. It says robbers, plural. But even though robbers came along the way, one man was able to help. Let me ask you a question. If there were multiple robbers... Listen to my question. If there were multiple robbers, and these robbers all attacked this half-dead man, stole from him, nearly killed him, surely the robbers could have looked at the Samaritan and went, oh, here's a man who's got oil, here's a man who's got wine, here's a man who's got donkeys. He looks like a wealthy man. Why didn't the Samaritan man get attacked? Why wasn't he also half-dead? Why wasn't he also plundered from or stolen from? You see, the good news about the gospel is this, that Jesus became just like us, took the same path as us, yet the Bible says he's without sin. It doesn't matter how bad or how big or how evil the attack is. It's not whether you're strong. They can't touch Jesus. They can't touch Jesus. They can't touch Jesus. He's without sin. He became like us. And he took the form of a human being, humbled himself, died on a cross. And when he died, we died with him. When he was buried, we were buried with him. 
And when he rose again, we rose with him. And where he is seated now in heavenly places, we are also seated now with him in heavenly places. If you will lean on, if you will trust in your strength to keep yourself from sin, you'll find yourself falling in sin again. But if you will lean on Jesus, you will see the power to overcome sin. If you will lean on your own power to show the way, to know the way, to know what next to do, to know what your plan is, you will find yourself often frustrated that the plans and the dreams you've had are not working out. But you will lean on him and say, I don't know the way, you know the way. I don't know the plan, you know the plan. I can't see, but you can see. I lean on you. You will find that in God, he is the perfect light and the perfect vision for the next steps you want to take in your life. No matter what happened or happens or will happen in your life, lean on him, trust him. You can imagine maybe the pin drop silence. Jesus is talking to the lawyer. He says, my story is over. You tell me, who's the neighbor? The lawyer says, "Um, the one who had mercy. Jesus says, yeah, love him like you love yourself. Love that man. There is only one man who is qualified to be our neighbor. So what is Jesus trying to say? Jesus saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, all your soul and strength. And then as you experience God, some of you have experienced him to be healer. You didn't until you were sick. Some of you have experienced God to be provision. You didn't until you were in a need. Some of you have experienced him to be comfort. You didn't until your heart was troubled. Some of you have experienced him to be a guide. You didn't until you knew you were lost. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul and strength and experience him. Experience him, your neighbor. Experience him. That's the one thing that differentiates anybody from a Christian, anybody from being a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not perfect behavior. We're all flawed in some way or the other. But how many of you are glad that you've experienced God through pain, experienced God through shame, experienced the comfort when you were wounded and broken? It says, now that you've experienced him, love him like you love yourself. You know why so many Christians find it hard to surrender self? They haven't experienced God. They know about God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and strength. That's great. I need to love God. I need to love God. So when you love God, you then kind of have an interpretation of what that looks like. For some people, they think, oh, I love God. Why? Because I do A, B, C, and D. No. The true nature of whether you love God is whether you can surrender self. Whether you can love your neighbor. Who is he? The one that showed mercy like yourself. Look at the Samaritan. He poured in the oil and the wine generosity you can never be generous until you find god's generosity towards you until then you'll always struggle with it so can i encourage you and can i just release some of you some of you are reading the bible and going i need to do this i need to do that i need to do that now that i'm a christian i need to obey that i need to obey this i need to obey that i need to do that hey christianity is not obedience based on written commands christianity is obedience based on love love 
love. You can never be generous until you know, you experience your neighbor, your good Samaritan that was generous with the oil, generous with the wine, actually went out of his way to change plans to stay with you through the night. Can I encourage you, and I feel this prophetically over our church, we are, encar- we are going to encounter and we are moving in as a community to the most selfless seasons of our life where our self will be surrendered. Not because it's going to be forced in some way, but you're going to encounter your neighbor and you say, man, I want to love my neighbor as I love myself. How many of you have found it so hard to surrender self? You like it your own way. You're a control freak. And if things don't go your way and people don't go your way, then it, it, you find it so hard. You find it so hard to commit to church because why? Self says, surely you can stay in bed. Why come to church on a Sunday? Surely you can just stay at home instead of coming to the prayer meeting. Why? Because self is in the way. When it's time for our tithes and offerings, surely you want to put self. Every time, every time, love knocks on the door. Self pops up and says, what about me? What about me? What about my desires? What about my heart? What about what I want? My friends, that will always be your struggle until you meet love that knows no bounds, until you meet mercy, until you meet a generosity that has no explanation whatsoever. We say things like this, don't we? I've said this before. Say, I found God. In 1991, I invited him into my life. Fact is, God wasn't lost. He didn't need finding. God found you. He came to you. He reached out to you. Long before your mom met your dad, he's been planning for your rescue. And when you've not heard him, touched him, felt him, understood him, he was there. And today God has a question to ask you. In the light of such generosity, will you love him as you love yourself? Is self going to be a price you're willing to pay because of that love? I remember one time someone in our church wanted to get baptized. I said, can you explain to me? I I don't understand it. I said, sure. And then we arranged a meeting. And uh, they'd never read the Bible or known about the faith. And um, so I, I turned to one part of the Bible. And it talked about how Jesus himself was baptized. And the command that if you want to be a disciple... You must be baptized. Now, I'd gone prepared with a page of notes to answer any questions that they may have. They said to me, can you stop? I said, I said, why did I say something wrong? Did you not understand? And they said, well, I want to get baptized. I said, I haven't explained anything. 
I haven't explained anything. There's so many more questions on what baptism is and how you're co-crucified and co-buried and co-resurrected with Christ and how baptism is an answer to a good conscience. And there's so many scriptures of what baptism is. And they said, I don't want to know. If Jesus wants it, myself is surrendered. If Jesus wants it, myself is surrendered. I'm going to get baptized. And I discovered in that moment that surrender happens not through the incredible information of all that you can remember in the Bible. You can know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Read the Bible in Greek, Hebrew, Latin and Aramaic. You'll still be struggling to surrender your life to Jesus. Surrender happens when you are face to face with mercy that found you and says, I don't even need an explanation. If God says it, my answer is yes, even before he asks it. And the question God wants to ask you today is, will you love God like yourself? Like yourself or is self on the throne? I feel, I think, but what about me and my desires and my hopes? Surrender can never happen until you meet a God of love. When you meet him, self-surrender becomes easy. I was talking to a couple this week and I'm in our church And they said to me, we're so privileged to be at church. We're so privileged to serve. And they said, we've made it our goal that our biggest financial outgoing for the month is church. I said, really? He said, yeah. I found that amazing. Nobody, we've never said that we should do that. Where does that come from? Self is surrendered when you have encountered love. All of Christianity is summed up in this one sentence. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And love your neighbor like you love what? Yourself. Yourself. Who's my neighbor? The one that showed mercy. The one that came running to you when you couldn't run. The one that saw you when you couldn't see. The one that heard you when you couldn't talk. The one that that came and took care of your wounds when you couldn't repair yourself. The one that poured in the oil and the wine. The one that bandaged your wounds. The one that elevated you from where you are to where he was. The one that carried you. The one that stayed with you the night you needed him the most. The one that promised That anything that costs yesterday, today and forever promises us by his word says I'll pay it. Will you love him? The proof of the pudding is if self can surrender. Love him as you love yourself. I wonder what part of self the Holy Spirit wants you to lay down today. You don't have to if you don't know love. You don't have to if you don't know your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? Oh man, when I was a kid, I remember reading that sentence and going, I don't like my neighbors. I don't know who my neighbors are. I'm shy. I don't want to talk to my neighbors. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, I'll tell you who your neighbor is, the one that had mercy. There's nobody in the world that has had mercy like Jesus Christ. Let's finish by reading Ephesians chapter 2, the verse that we said, but God being rich in what? 
mercy. Who's your neighbor? The lawyer says. Jesus says, well, here's a story. Who do you think the neighbor is? The lawyer says, the one that had mercy. Jesus says, correct. There's only one that had mercy. God being what? Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Because of what? The great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. In kindness Towards us in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad you have Jesus as a neighbor? Come on, give him praise. If you're grateful that he is the merciful one. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Rich in mercy. Now the question is. Will you love him like yourself? Or is self still in the way? For a moment of consideration and privacy. Will you close your eyes? Why don't you talk to God and say, God, I want to surrender myself. I want to love you like myself. I don't want to know you in theory. I want to know you in experience. I want to know you in experience. I want to know you as provider, as healer, as the one that came to me. Some of you today, if you do not know Jesus, today is a decision. Today is a day to surrender your life. To say self will move out of the way. Self will move out of the way. And I'll say yes to Jesus. If you would like to invite Jesus into your life. I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. Many people here who are followers of Jesus Christ. Will also do the same. So you don't feel like you're on your own. If you want to say I surrender myself. To love the one that had mercy. Why don't you pray. Say Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for showing me mercy. I receive your life and I give you mine. In Jesus' name. Amen. I believe if you prayed that prayer, you've made a decision to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You have let mercy in and your life will never be the same again. I'd love for you to connect with us, not take the next steps on your own. Stay back and connect with us at the welcome booth. We would love to get to know you and take, help you take your next steps. Some of you today will love God and surrender self. Some of you need to forgive the person that hurt you because self is in the way. Some of you need to get, make a decision to get baptized. For a long time, self has been in the way. But will you love your neighbor like you love yourself? Who's my neighbor? The one that showed mercy. The one that came close. The one that drew near. Some of you have never tithed before and you will start tithing today because so far self is in the way. The Bible says, bring to God your first and your best. Whenever financial increase happens in your life, you're not going to do it because there is a command. You're going to do it because of love. Some of you are going to go above and beyond a tithe and bring an offering to church. 
Why church? Because this is the body of Christ. This is where your love language to Jesus is expressed. Some of you are going to learn to cut down your time that you spend with other things and make a decision to start serving at church. I'd love for you to get to our website, go to the next steps tab and you can go to a section called make a difference. Sign up that you will volunteer your time to serve Jesus. Why? Because you want to love your neighbor. You want to love your neighbor. You want to love your neighbor. Who is my neighbor? The one that showed mercy. Whatever your next step is, it won't be forced. It won't be demanded. It won't be dictated. But you talk to God right now and say, God, where does self have to go? Where does self have to bow? Where does self need to move out of the way? Because I want to love you like I love myself. Holy Spirit, I thank you that there is power in this place today. The power to say yes to you. The power to surrender. The power to obey. The power to love you like I love ourselves. We love ourselves. I prophesy in the name of Jesus that Beacon Church will be the most selfless church in the world. The Beacon Church will be a church that loves you more than anything. A Beacon Church will put you first. A Beacon Church will not put you as a hobby that we kind of fit into our routine. But Lord, you will be our first with our time, with our money, with our energy, with everything. You are the good neighbor. You are the good Samaritan. I came and had mercy on us. And you deserve it. You deserve it. Lift your hands for a blessing. And now may God bless you. May you know mercy when you can't find it. May you see God when you can't see Him. May you hear God when you can't hear Him. May you know that He carries you in your darkest night. May you know that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. May you know that all your bills for yesterday, today and forever are paid by Jesus. May you know that every need spiritually, mentally, emotionally, relationally, physically, financially, vocationally, everything you need for yesterday, today and forever has been guaranteed by the goodness of Of a God who has had mercy on you. And may you surrender self. To love God. The way he has loved you. May you give to God. The way he has given to you. May you forgive. Like you've been forgiven. May you serve. The way Jesus has served you. May you be focused. The way Jesus' love is focused on you. May you give him your time. Because he's given him, he's given you his time. And may you know that your wounds and your scars and your battles are equipping you for oil and wine. The anointing and the grace of God that would not have come otherwise. You are more anointed and equipped because of your scars than you think. You are more powerful as a result of your story than you think. And may you know that he will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. In Jesus' name, amen. Give your neighbor the biggest praise you can ever give. Our good Samaritan.
our merciful Father who found us when we couldn't find Him. Lord, we praise You. We praise You. We praise You. Hey, find the people who had birthdays and anniversaries this month. Say hello to them.